Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 110 and it is Tuesday, February 20th, 2018. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, straight out of Wakanda. And with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. Now I had now since you said you're straight out of Wakanda, see, I had to take some time to pray on this. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say that I am a citizen of Zamunda, okay. but I have Wakandan citizenship. I, I approve. Yes. Give a damn if you approve or not. That's just what it is. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Oh man. But yes, we are here. We're gonna be talking about Black. Panther, yes, the movie, the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which just came out last Friday. We're going to get into an all-spoilers review, so if you haven't seen it, please just mute it it once we get to the review. We have some other stuff on the docket as per usual, and and as always, we thank you all for tuning in uh, for another week of goodness and magic and nerd awesomeness coming at you. Yo, man, I'm I'm just so amped, man. I mean, as you can see here, for those who are viewing viewing us on Kyle on Facebook video, <laughs> what's up, Kyle? Thank you for joining us as always, man. I do ha- we do have on display the complete volume of Black Panther: A Nation Under Our Feet, written by Tanahisi Coates. Very good Black Panther story. Um, if you're a fan. Even if even if you're not familiar with the world of Wakanda or Black Panther as a whole, this is a definitely a good place to start. Check it out. Some fantastic artwork as well and an interesting political uh, story to boot. So check it out. A Nation Under Our Feet in stores now. So with all that said, Mr. Bird, what have you been up to? Well, uh, when you have a sick girlfriend at home. Mm-hmm. And she's planning a birthday party for a soon-to-be three-year-old. Nice. You don't really have much time, you know, for nerd for for you know for your nerd life. Mm. But I've been making it happen. So um, I I can give you a quick update on my four February challenge. Okay. So I have finished the third game. All right. And I have finished. The second story arc in Dragon Ball Fighter Z, so I'm just one more story arc away from actually completing the four of February challenge. I won't be able to do five games in one, but mm. I mean that you know that's a that's an accomplishment in itself. So awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I also we can this is actually something that you put on the docket. We can both dabble on mm-hmm. Chris Rock's latest. Uh, Special tambourine. Yeah. He ain't finished no damn for February, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tambourine on Netflix. But tambor- yeah. yeah. Yo, Chris still got it. Oh, yeah, man. Demos don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shots fired. Yo. Oh, what's going on, Grande? Hey, welcome, welcome. So, yeah, tambourine, man. Yo, I, I really enjoyed that special. Chris Rock still got it. He never lost a step in the stand-up game. And this is his first special since 2008's uh, Kill the Messenger. Uh, and, yo, like, what I really liked, what I really f- found eye-opening about it was just how personal it got. Like, I had no idea. That's, the be- that make those, that's what makes the best comedy is yeah. when, like, it's about you. I think um, uh, Kevin Hart's Laugh at My Pain was so successful. Like, he was right. literally talking about his life experiences. I think all the stuff about Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. Steve Harvey. 
Yeah. Like all those what, Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Like he all that stuff that Richard Pryor said he did. Yeah. He did. We don't need to go into detail into what he did. True. But he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh free basin setting himself on fire. Yeah. And amongst other and amongst other things. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, he got into like, you know, his infidelities and Which I was know, gonna playing, say. Playing your you know, playing your role in a relationship. Sometimes you just gotta be the temper. You some sometimes you be, you're the lead singer. Other times you just gotta be in the back playing the tambourine. Yeah, sometimes you play lead. Sometimes you gotta play the tambourine. Yeah, <laughs> hence the name of his special. Yeah, he actually changed it. It was supposed to be like, oh, what was it like the black black something tour? Mm. Really? Yeah, but because of the you know the whole tambourine um, subject that he got into, that's what made him change it. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like I said, like I said, I found I found it eye opening. Like not only his infidelity, how he cheated on his wife with three women, uh, when he was out and about. He's like, so I know some guys looking at me like three. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I work at UPS and I pull more hoes than that. <laughs> um, I had no idea he also had a porn addiction. I mean, wow, that's that's serious. Um, he also talked about his uh custody battle as well. Um, I also liked his, uh, some of his other topical humor, which he got into, like with the politics and... Oh, yeah. You can't have a Chris Rock special without politics. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, his, whole, his whole take on the anti-bullying movement, which I thought was... A, so true. I thought, it was, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, even though like it's tongue-in-cheek, like, I don't, I don't, it's not like he's advocating bullying or anything, no, but... No, he's not, but he's like, you know what? Like, we, ha- we didn't have that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, if you had a bully, you had to step up to him. They didn't have the, these like, you know, stop the bullying groups and all that, you know. Yeah. It just seems, you know, we, we live in a, med- it's just part of this PC world that we live in today. Yeah. You think that, you think that um, we're getting too soft? Yes. Hands down. Hmm. I, I see that too. I'm, play, I, play Eddie Murphy's Raw today. <laughs> you can't. I don't even think they show it on TV anymore. Oh, there's no way you could. You have to edit the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not worth not worth watching it edited at that point. No, you can't watch. You cannot watch something worth. You cannot. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Even even a show like In Living Color would not fly by today's no. standards. No. Men on film. Oh my god. You'd have so many. You have so many Twitter activists like like hashtagging the fuck out of that show. Urban year. Yeah. To oblivion. Um, I, I, and you know, I will, I will say that, um, I mean, that's a whole other discussion about how PC, how too PC that we've, we've gotten, like, you know, I, I think that, I think that in in real life, you know, people can tell the difference between a joke and what's, and what's serious and what's an insult. Um, whereas like the whole media discourse kind of makes it sound like, oh, well, you can never joke about a certain group of people or ever. It's like, come on, man, we're not that precious. All right. You know, life is hard enough. I mean, that's why we have comedy to laugh at controversial stuff so we can get through it, you know, but yeah. So, you know, stop being, stop being soft people. But, but anyway, yeah. Um, any other thoughts about a tambourine? Oh, I just recommend anybody to, to, uh, Watch it. First of all, like Chris, I'm a bit biased because Chris Rock was like Chris Rock's always been pretty much. He is my favorite comedian. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. So like, 
I was already I already knew firsthand that it was gonna be funny once I turned it on. And then secondly, I mean, like I said, and then like I said before, like Chris Rock's bigger and blacker, like that was like my Bible. Mm. <laughs> was that the one where we had that that sketch between there's black people and there's N words? Or was I bring the pain? I think it was definitely. I want to say it was bring the pain. Yeah, it was definitely one of them. Um, I know, I know, he stopped doing that sketch because, like, some because he found out that some white fans didn't get the joke. But it's okay, that's all right because yeah. the joke just wasn't for them. Nah, but like, what it was, it was a lot of truth in that though. Oh, it was hundred percent true. Yeah, 100%. but uh, trust me, me growing up the way I did, I knew that I seen the difference. Oh, so have I. Hell, I still still see it today. Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Tambourine. Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, definitely, if, if you're a fan of Chris Rock, that's one special that you should not miss. And Chris Rock, you know, he he still brings it, man. And I love to see more, you know, more 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 material from him. You know, we haven't seen too much from Chris Rock in recent years, except like Top Five, which is which is still funny as hell, and his voice rover role in Madagascar. And that's about it, really. He should do more stuff because more Chris Rock is what the world needs. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't count. Um, so yeah, more Chris Rock is what the world needs. How about Chris Rock a, is at the point where you can do whatever you want. Yeah, or didn't like, he host host the Oscars a couple of years ago? Yeah, he, he I think he hosted it twice. It was like like ten years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. How about a, like a Chris Rock Dave Chappelle Netflix team up? That would be the shit. A battle of egos. Yeah, it. I mean, not quite. I mean, there's there, there's respect there. No, there definitely is, but it's like. They're both, you know, headliners. They both can they both can definitely get more than five hundred thousand dollars on Netflix though. <laughs> oh, hashtag Monique. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh things? That's pretty much it. Hmm, all right. Uh yeah, not much not much uh going on on my end. Um let's see, still playing through Final Fantasy fifteen. Um that game's got me hooked. Right now I'm on chapter seven. Um, I'm 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 stack I'm accruing so much experience that by the time I reach chapter nine I can cash it all in. It'll be your thirty fifth birthday. Nah, it won't. It won't, <laughs> it won't be, be that, that long. <laughs> no, it won't be that long. Um, like like by the time I get to chapter nine, because I have so much uh, experience, I can actually cash that in because my my party's at level forty two. I could probably get them to like level. 60 something with the experience i have mm-hmm. and I, and at this point i could still like walk right through the main story because it's so easy now because i'm concentrating on side quests and hunts and that's like the bulk of the game but i can't help it because the side quests and, and hunts are so much fun and the world is just so vast and gorgeous that so it's you're like pretty much like you know you're pretty much like dory okay i gotta do this i gotta do this Ooh, side quest yeah pretty much yeah, like every side quest that comes up, I just jump on it, get more experience, get more gill, you know, and it's 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 fun. It's really fun, even though like so far the the main story is still kind of eh. Like it's it's not terrible, but at the same time, it's not that compelling either. Maybe it'll get better the more I concentrate on the main story. But as of now, like thirty five out thirty five thirty six hours into the game and the main. Right. Co- not 35 36 hours into that game i am jesus yeah Christ. and i'm nowhere near finished usually and it usually takes you like two weeks to like beat a game maybe even less yeah like if, if i'm well you got some your time's occupied now yeah it is in in, in many ways you know with but uh but you know <laughs> but with with so many but with so many uh 
so many other games that I do have on my docket still. Like I want to, I like to take my time through games. I don't want to rush through stuff. So Final Fantasy Fifteen. That's why you couldn't do the four in February. Right. That's pretty much it. See, the key is you just play short games. I know, but that'll take me away from that'll distract me from Final Fantasy Fifteen, and I don't want to do that. Sure as hell, does distract me from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. But I needed that break because mm. some of the there was some parts in that game where I just like I was almost like ready to rage quit and that's a game i do not want to rage quit in oh no not at all and that's that's a game you need to take your time with. you do yeah you do so i was like you know what let me take a break you know i got challenged by it by you know by ed so i was just like you know what let me take a break from this because there's no way in hell that i'll be able to do four games with horizon zero dawn included mm, true so i was like all right boom 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 i'm three three out of four yeah. only one story arc left i can do this yeah, indeed, man. So yeah, just uh, to, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll provide more Final Fantasy 15 updates as we go, as I inch my way towards the completing the game. Um, Thinking about buying a PS. Yeah, I think you should do that. Oh, he's not a PS4 guy. Yeah, he's an Xbox guy. Yeah, get a PS4. It's well worth it. Yeah, and you might, might as well get a PS4 Pro because that's like the the most updated uh, edition. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah. Even if you don't have a 4K TV, I mean... It's still worth it. Yeah, get a little minor graphical boost. Uh, but yeah, um, besides that, I, I did catch uh, Monday Night Raw uh, last night, which is definitely one of the one of the best episodes of Raw I caught, I've seen in some time. Like It began with a gauntlet match with Seth Rollins' 65-minute performance. He, he wrestled Roman Reigns and beat him. He wrestled... Sorry, and beat- Adrian. Yep, he wrestled. Yep, yeah, yeah, thank you. He wrestled. <laughs> he wrestled and beat John Cena, and then he the he. Whole wrestling world is thanking Seth for that. Oh yeah, and then uh, at the end, uh, Seth Rollins he was starting to run out of gas, and then Elias came in and beat him. But there was no 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 loss on on Seth's part because he got a standing ovation from the crowd, and you don't see standing ovations on Raw, so Seth Rollins earned that. And he proved that he is the Iron Man of Raw. Monday Night Rollins. Give him the Universal Title. You know, it's funny. I saw that shirt. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's that's a pretty cool shirt, though. I gotta it's say, not the one I want to get. No, you want to get those. I want to get these hands. That's yeah. like such a shout out. You know, shout outs to AJ too. He made that. He made that popular for me for like video games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, you want to play me in this fighting game? Yo, you can get these hands. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? <laughs> That that was cool. I need to get that. <laughs> yeah, it's well worth it. But yo, Rollins, man, earning that paycheck, and you know what? I think I think Rollins deserves a second chance with a world ch- championship. Uh, in this case, the Universal Title, since he's on Raw. Mm-hmm. You know, his his first championship reign wasn't one hundred percent in love with, but I think where Rollins is at heel. now, he was a different guy. He was a different guy. He was a heel, but I thought he was booked too much to be too too much of a chicken shit heel. He kept winning. Oh yeah, and he had the he had J and J security and stuff. Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole new. It's a whole new. It's pretty much a whole new character. Yeah, a whole new Rollins. So I think that he would have a much improved world championship reign if he got it. Got the belt the second time. So yeah, big ups to Rollins for that awesome performance, man. And also you had the uh, women, uh, women compete as well. Oh, and the six men, the six women. Yep. I had it on the TV, but I was at work last night, so I was kind of. Yeah. And this champ was terrible. Yeah, um, I agree. The whole yeah, but then yeah, heel authority figures. Well, not only into the way. Yeah, the whole heel authority storyline and the fact that Seth Rollins kept cheating to win most of his matches and it was too much of a chicken shit heel. I agree that his WWE Championship reign wasn't the best, but definitely still better than Jinder Mahal's. 
but then again, anybody's is. Uh, but, you know, yeah, big ups to Rollins. We need to see him with the universal belt by the end of this year. Hopefully by SummerSlam. You know, maybe you can, you know, have have Roman Reigns inevitably go over go over Lesnar at 34 and then have like a program between Rollins and Rollins and Reigns and then throw the Miz in the mix somewhere. Literally only one person would be happy about, you know, Reigns going over. Oh yeah, Adrian. But if it's gonna set up to that, then I'm I'll be cool with it. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm fine, fine with that. You know, as long as uh, Reigns loses it by SummerSlam, we'll be cool. Uh, oh, speaking of uh, speaking of WWE, um, you know, after after WrestleMania 34, um, they're they're actually gonna merge the pay per views. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so so each pay per view, so instead of like brand exclusive pay per views like pay, Payback and Extreme Rules and all that. Yeah. They're gonna be merged into big four-hour super shows, but there's no good. There's gonna be no Raw versus SmackDown matches. Right. It's just gonna be Raw's right. block and SmackDown's block. Yeah, and I'm uh, and I'm actually okay with that, because it's like those the storylines won't have to drag out so long. Hmm. That's true. Because remember, we're, like back in the day, you was able to do that. Like remember, there was only what four pay- four major pay per views. Yeah. You got storylines and rivalries going on for like three months in between. Yeah. Now we're living in a we're living in a uh, what's going on, Paul? We're living in a world where like nobody wants to read more than 140 characters. I think Twitter actually updated where you could type more. I think it's like 280. I want to say. I think possibly. Yeah. So like you know people don't really have that that type of attention span anymore. Uh, I, I I don't I don't I don't believe that. I don't think I'm not saying all people, but mo- mostly society. Like we're in a pretty fast paced society now. Yeah. So it's like okay, let's you know, three pay per view. Everybody, every rivalry gets like a three pay per view block, mm-hmm. and then it's just on to the next one. Hmm. Yeah. But you know, I think with uh, I think I think it's a it's a smart move to to have like one pay per view every month rather than like having the Pressure like catching up, catching up with the pay per view every two, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, maybe this is a WWE's way of like budget cutting as well. Possibly be- because they got rid of Pyro for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, we'll we'll see how we'll see how things go. Um, you know, I'm hoping that. Uh, I mean, I'm a little weary though because even with a four hour pay per view, WWE still has the nerve to have overrun. Sometimes, especially mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, like oh the, god, WrestleMania. Yeah, like the last two, three, no. Yeah. No, no, the last two actually, thirty-two and thirty-three. Yeah, they still had the nerve. The shows were already four, five. four, five hours. They had the nerve to go all the way past midnight. Yeah, they did. Oh, man, moderation is key, people. But yeah, that's that's some interesting uh, news. So we'll see how that that unfolds uh, in the in the future. Uh, to answer Kyle's question on the chat, why do I hate Roman so much? <laughs> Uh, I don't hate Roman Reigns. I yeah, think I no no no. Contrary to what you know, you've seen on the podcast and what you may believe. No, I don't hate Roman Reigns. I think he's very talented. Um, I think I, I think he's entertaining. However, I don't think that he is the premier babyface the or the the John Cena two successor like Adrian believes so much in his heart and soul. I don't believe Roman Reigns is that guy. I believe that's fired, Adrian. Like I believe Roman Reigns is a top player, but he's not the top player 
it's a, it's a, it's a difference, you know. It's like with, for example, with um, with Daniel Bryan, the fans organically believed he was a top main eventer because he was booked booked that way, and the fan and it was easy for the fans to believe in him. With Roman Reigns, we are told explicitly by Vince McMahon that Roman Reigns is the guy. This is the guy. We're, we're told Roman Reigns is the guy. With Daniel Bryan, we believe it. That's the difference. So that's why, you know. I kind of dig on Roman a little hard. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, it what we got for what we've been up to. We got some news and items of interest here. And uh and this and the first headline here, this is goes this goes to Paul's comment as well. Uh Jeff Jarrett in a surprise surprise bit of news. Jeff surprise. Jarrett <laughs> surprises an understatement. Jeff Jarrett uh, has is joining the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2018. Really? That guy. I will say this though, I never had a problem spelling his name. J E double F J A double R E double T. Jeff Jarrett. Ting. Oh man. Now, question: Will Kurt Angle deliver the induction speech? Hell no. But please, WWE, just do like an awkward camera moment. Like an awkward moment on camera. Oh yeah, with Kurt Angle sitting in the crowd. In the audience, hmm. Just let's see. something like I looked on Twitter. And I'm just like, yo, there's no like tweets from Kurt Angle. Yeah, oh, and and if you if you don't know the story, well, Jeff Jarrett stole Kurt Angle's wife. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, you can't. You, there's no need to go into no no sugar coating. The, no, no yeah. there's no sugar coating. There's no need to give a whole story. It, that's what it is in a nutshell. He yeah. still okay. Karen, is Karen going to be there? <laughs> Awkward. Ooh. You know it's going to be so messed up because fans are so petty. They are. They're going to bring it up. Oh, they're going to chance something. Oh my god, <laughs> it, there's going to be some chance. They're, I mean, come on. Fans are fans of the work. Fans are awful. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. When you're at when if you remember at the first, I want to say it was the first NXT Brooklyn where Triple H opened the show, mm-hmm. and Triple H wanted the crowd to just be quiet to like give the fact that he was just alone in the arena, and then when the lights go off, everybody's you know cheering. Yeah. Well, there's actually some video of foot video footage mm-hmm. of while Triple H was trying to do it, and they were trying to quiet down the crowd. Yeah. And there were fans. Cheer, saying there were fans cheering Chris Benoit. Oh man! And man. Triple H just said, "That's not funny. Be quiet." Mm. Yeah, that's that's not cool, people, man. <laughs> but yeah, Jeff Jarrett, man, you know, Vince is after something. He's he is. He has to be after something. That's that's true. He's he's got to be like he's got to come after that TNA Global Force, Force Impact Library, whatever they call themselves nowadays. You know, I came into it. I, I think it is like a merger. I think it's still Impact, but it's just like yeah, th- Global Force is like mer- has merged with it. No, because it was or, it was TNA, but right. then they called they changed their name to Impact. Then they changed it to Global Force Wrestling, and I think they changed it back to Impact. I can't keep up anymore. <laughs> I can't keep up yeah. anymore. Yeah, there, there's a hashtag among wrestling fans that called LOL TNA because TNA is just so incompetent management wise. Um. You know, it's funny because like here's a here's a question too. It's like, will WWE finally acknowledge TNA or have their wrestlers be allowed to acknowledge TNA they have on before. programming? They have. Uh, yeah, in um Jeff if in, in Jeff Hardy's documentary. 
Mm-hmm. Like he actually had mentioned that he went to TNA and he actually said TNA. Okay. Okay. Um, and the um, what do you call it? The Kurt Angle Twenty Four. Mm-hmm. Dixie Carter was in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was. Yeah. They didn't mention the TNA name, but they mm-hmm. said that we she went that he went to go work for him and then talked about all the stuff that he was going through and all that. Yeah. But, yeah. But she's not even with them anymore. Huh? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And WCW part two. Indeed. And and you know it's funny too, because like I remember the uh the final episode of Nitro with the simulcast mm-hmm. and Vince McMahon actually made it a point to mention Jeff Jarrett on the air. He's like, as far as Jeff Jarrett goes, he's double G, double O, double N, double E. Gone. And I'm like, damn, what the hell is that about? You know, and it was crazy. <laughs> I went like once I read that, I was like, didn't Jeff Jarrett say something about Vince when he showed up the night after losing the pay per view to China, losing the belt to China? Because he yeah. showed up, yeah, he sh- he lost the belt to China at a pay per view. Mm-hmm. Then the very next Monday, he was on Nitro. He hits Buff Bagwell mm-hmm. over the head with a chip with a guitar. Yeah, and then he was saying something like, "How's that for stroke, Vince?" Or it was bitch. I still couldn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Like I rewinded it like twice, and then. After a while, I was like, oh, oh well, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Hmm. Indeed. And then Jeff Jarrett, he came up with that uh, catchphrase, slap nuts. nuts. <laughs> yeah. Just so random, but he made it work in WCW. He did. Um, former world champion, intercontinental champion. Six time. Six time, man. Yeah, so, I, I mean, he's I, a good intercontinental champion. I had no idea he won it that many times. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And he introduced us to Road Dog, who yeah. was the, the roadie. Yeah, he he might. I think Road Dog will be give. my baby. <laughs> oh my God, I remember that song. <laughs> That's for the old school fans out there. Yeah, the new generation era. <laughs> but yeah, I think Road Dog bad mouth the shit out of each other. Mm. Yeah, I think Road Dog will give the induction speech most likely, or maybe they'll give somebody somebody random. Sometimes they do that. This is true, but the only person who seems fitting is Road Dog. Yeah, I mean, who else can do it? Like his former tag team partner Owen. Okay, yeah. um, there was a person who beat him for the Intercontinental at Ch- mm. mm. Uh, Deborah, Deborah McMichael. I was I keep I keep calling her Deborah McMichael. Well, that's um, who she. Well, she was married to Steve McMichael. Yeah, Steve McMichael, McMichael, then Austin. And, yeah, Austin, and yeah. I don't know. I think she probably married again. Yeah, I don't, I never knew her her maiden name. I just I just oh I knew it too. Yeah. I actually just looked it up yesterday. Yeah, I just keep referring to her as Deborah McMichael for yeah. simplicity. Well, because that's what she when she first came into the business, that's who she was. Yeah, but yeah, Jeff Jarrett, Marshall, Marshall. There you go. Yeah, but you know Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler, I always thought at best he was. He's all right. All right. Like I never I never bought him as a world champion or as a main eventer. Even though he made himself a main eventer, a main eventer, yeah, that's okay. You can't knock him for that. Yeah, plus like his. But he took advantage of a failing WCW. Doesn't Jared's dad have like a piece of the Memphis Video Library? Um, no, no, Vince bought that years ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he did. He, does Vince also own Mid Mid Atlantic South? Hmm? You know what's funny? Because like he owns it all. Because my because I was gonna ask about that because like because you know how Ric Flair is always billed as a 16-time world champion. Yeah. But if you count his Mid-Atlantic South championships, it was technically like 21. No, it was, but they all, don't... it was all NWA. 
Oh, it was all NWA? Yeah. Okay. So did they like combine those reigns or something? Well, everything was under the end the NWA banner. Okay. So it's like when you went, like the NWA champion would go to like all the different territories and defend his championship. So he all the different territories were acknowledged under the were under the NWA banner. Oh, okay. And so Ric Flair or whoever was the champion at that time was their champion. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, uh Jeff Jarrett Hall of Fame. Definitely a surprise entrant, but I'm interested in seeing what he what he has to say come the Hall of Fame on uh, WrestleMania weekend. Oh yeah, the speech got to be they got to let him they got to give him open mic. Oh yeah. And and uh hopefully uh we'll get if some If not, the crowd will take over. Yeah. And if not, then we'll get some awkward camera shots of Kurt Angle smelling awkwardly in the in the audience. Oh my god, please. <laughs> Smiling politely as he can. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sure Kurt's at peace with his life right now. I'm sure. I think he's remarried. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, and he's and he's getting the WWE. Jeff Jarrett is raising one of his kids though. Oh yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll see a Jeff Jarrett Kurt Angle match at, on WWE television. <laughs> you know, Vince will, Vince will probably mind that real life animosity towards a real match. But he did it before. Yeah, he, he'll did it before. He'll do it again. That's Matt Hardy and Edge. Yep, or Mick Foley and Ric Flair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they were by that. They were too old to. They were too old and beat up to wrestle it. Yeah, true. So yeah, um, so there's that, and we have one more uh, uh, wrestling headline here. Uh, Rich Swan has mutually parted ways with the WWE. Uh, the former WWE Cruiserweight Champion left the company as of last Thursday, following his indefinite suspension stemming from charges of false imprisonment and misdemeanor domestic battery. He was cleared of all charges due to a lack of evidence. Uh, WWE did not elaborate as to the reasons for Swan's departure beyond their stock statement of wishing him well in his future endeavors. I think it, I think it's healthy for this point. Like just let things let things you know calm down and stuff. Let him go back to the Indies, build himself right back up. Yep. I mean, and it looks like if they said that they mutually parted ways, so it's probably they left on good terms and stuff. And so, yeah. like, I'm sure he'll be back. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, hopefully, maybe by the end of the year at some point. <laughs> Paul you know? says Karen Angle on a pole match. <laughs> Get Vince Russo to book that one. Oh my God! Vince Russo loved his pole matches. Yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, Rich Swan, man, hell of a talent, man. And he had a, I, I just mean, hated this guy. I hate the whole dancing gimmick. That's the only thing I didn't like, but it's like, yo, he just seemed like, like I watched him in episodes of Up, Up, Down, Down. Like he just seemed like a cool kid to fun, that like hang with. Yeah. And then like, you know, and the dude was talented. Yeah. Highly athletic. He was, yeah. Highly athletic, highly talented. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate that things, you know, those things happen. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully he'll make his way back to WWE and uh, build himself back on the indies. Maybe we'll see him in New Japan because they they're yeah he's done some time. He's, he has done some done some time in Japan overseas. Yeah, maybe we can get some Will Osprey Swan matches. Whoa. Yo, yes, yes, well, I'm down for that. Yeah. Next up, Arnold Schwarzenegger to play the President of the United States in the Kung Fury sequel. He will yes. join writer, director, and star David Sandberg, Michael Fassbender, and David Hasselhoff. Yo. This movie can't get any fucking better. <laughs> Yo, Swartz... How much are they getting paid for this movie? I have no idea. It, it can't be expensive. <laughs> no, I mean... I want to know what the budget is. That's a good question because uh, it can't be. It has to be like fifty thousand. 
Uh, probably more than that. Definitely like in the six figures at the very least. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even give it that. Um, I mean, this is some strong star power here. It is. Schwarzenegger, Fassbender, Hasselhoff, and Kung Fury Part Two. Yo, th- yo, you can tell they're going for the Oscar for this one. They they totally are. They're not even going for it. They just, not- <laughs> you know what it is. People just know how ridiculously bad it is, but it's so bad it's good mm-hmm. that it's just like. Fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah. It, it just seems like a fuck it, I'll do a project, and it just works. Yeah. It, it's it, just, it worked. Yeah. And and as we said, like, as I said last week, like, if you haven't seen Kung Fury, like I said, words do it's not do it justice. It's a half hour out of your time. It's on Netflix and YouTube. Like, words do not do it justice. Just just watch it. Watch it and get back to us. That's all I got to say. So. Oh, my God. Please watch it and email us at CodexPinePodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Please yes, do that. Yes, indeed, man. Uh, some other uh, movie news. The 71st Annual BAFTA Awards, the British Academy Film Awards, uh, t- uh, took place on Sunday night. Uh, we had some big winners as well leading up to the Oscars next month. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri uh, has won five BAFTAs for Best Film, Outstanding British Film, Original Screenplay, uh, Leading Actress with Francis, Francis McDormand, and Supporting Actor Sam Rockwell. Uh, the Shape of Water, uh, Guillermo del Toro's film, won three BAFTAs with Best Director, Production Design, and Original Score by Alexander Desplat. Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049 won the Cinematography Award for Roger Deakins, very well deserved, as well as visual effects. Uh, Gary Oldman won Leading Actor for Darkest Hour. Coco won anim- Animated Film, Dunkirk for Sound. I, Tanya won Supporting Actress for Alice and Janney. And I am not your Negro. One for best documentary. Good, yeah, good, uh, good rundown of winners. Some tells me that Three Billboards is gonna win movie at the oh best picture at the best, Oscars. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's been sweeping uh, major awards categories in the major. Um, but then Moonlight do that last year. It, it did for it did for um several um, I think La La Land was the one that swept the most awards most most awards and then moonlight took it took the big one with the oscar for best picture cheap ass <laughs> cheap ass win i mean well, it was a, it's a no it's a well deserved win but it's just that the way it was presented was just so cheap it just like cheap and just cheap oh with the with the it's just like cheap in the moment yeah it did with the goof yeah yeah la la land and then right in the was middle it of warren Beatty? Well, it, well, he didn't. He didn't make the mistake. Like somebody backstage did. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, that person got fired. Well, two of them, two people got fired as a result. Oh, um, but yeah, with the Oscars coming up, I think it's uh, March fourth. I believe it's the first Sunday of of March. Yeah, they're usually in February. Like usually, like like last last Sunday of February. Uh, sometimes in March. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Three Billboards is going to ultimately win Best Picture, and I think um, Guillermo del Toro is going to win Best Director. Which I think you know both well deserved. Even though there is a backlash going on with three billboards, really? Yeah, some people are just saying that oh, this movie is overrated. It doesn't des- this movie doesn't deserve all these wins? It's not that good. I, I still haven't seen it, so I mean, I'm just really I'm literally taking your word for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a good film, but I wouldn't mind if it won. But I'd be more pleased if other films won it, like Get Out or Shape of Water or Dunkirk. That would be that'd be awesome if Get Out wins. I would root for that. I'm definitely <clears throat> for, for that. So. Yeah. 
I uh, got got uh, some video game related news here for all these predatory uh, AAA developers. A U.S. senator takes aim at predatory loot boxes and microtransactions. Uh, Senator Maggie Hassan, from New D- Democrat from New Hampshire, is asking the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, to review loot boxes and microtransactions in video games and decide whether or not a disclaimer should be included on a game's cover. Uh, Hassan says that loot boxes raise several concerns regarding the use of psychological principles and enticing mechanics that closely mirror those often found in casinos and games of chance. The potential for harm is real. Uh, Hassan's concerns uh, echo similar criticisms and concerns that loot boxes and microtransactions are glorified gambling practices that target gamers who have addictive tendencies, as well as, and most especially, children. Uh, the ESRB has officially considered loot boxes to not be a form of gambling, and as such, should not be regulated by the government. Now, uh, you going to say something, Carl? Mm, no, go ahead. Uh, well, I will say that, you know, um, loot boxes and microtransactions, I think developers like EA Games, Activision, they're going, they're going, they're becoming way out of control with it. Like, just like you, to the point where gamers are spending literally like tens of thousands of dollars for like DLC. And EA is just like milking them dry. And it's like, even for people who have addictive tendencies, like, and they have money to burn, that's irresponsible. And I think, uh, EA Games, they got some some balls. blowback. Well, well, not only balls for doing these microtransactions, but they got some blowback from Disney for um, pushing microtransactions so hard and loot boxes in uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two. So right now, EA is on is on thin ice with with Disney because of you know using the Star Wars property to you know milk more money from fans with uh, with these microtransactions through Battlefield Two. So you know, I will I will say to this real quick. I miss I miss the days where games were just sixty dollars and that was that. Yeah. And and any DLC was just a bonus. And nowadays you got like Call of Duty and like other games from Activision where it's like, you know, sixty dollars is like gets you in the door, and you got to spend more and more money, like hundreds of dollars. It's just like to get going the to the club. Yeah, exactly. It's like going to the club. The sixty dollars that gets you in the door. That's your cover charge, and then mm-hmm. the DLCs are the drinks. Yup. Pretty much, <laughs> and the drinks might not even be that good. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm very picky when it comes to I'm guilty of, you know, buying DLCs. Just like I'm just very very picky with it. It has yeah. to be a game that I like. It has to it has to be for a game that I absolutely love. Oh yeah, I, I that is like okay. Is it worth it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I will probably I will probably end up like buying like some of the DLCs for Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah, I'd say that's worth it. Yeah. And you know, like like DLC, there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself, but like if you're charging people for like uh, like like reskins or like different colors on a costume or your character, that's where it becomes a yeah, problem. Yeah, that's what yeah, I I would agree with that. But like I do I do like where you had to like play, you know, a certain amount of hours mm-hmm. and then you can earn Yeah. You can earn like extra stuff. Yep. So I mean, you can. I think it's like you can still play like a certain amount, or if you do want them faster, then you can pay. I like having th- that option. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, I don't have to, but yeah. like if I really do want them, then yeah, I'll spend the five bucks or whatever. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, man these these uh these mainstream AAA game developers they got to get their act together, man, because games are becoming way too expensive as it is. 
I mean, and, and and that's a good point, Paul. You spend sixty dollars plus the season pass for some games, which is another thirty bucks. Yeah. So get it together, and this this goes beyond pre-ordering games, people. Yeah. You know, don't be part of the problem. I I still pre-order games because I want my guaranteed copy. That's literally all it's for. If I get some bonus shit, then hey, so be it. Cool. But like, well, I when I pre-ordered Dragon Ball because I pre-ordered it, I got uh, Super Saiyan. God, Vegeta, and Goku. Word. That's what's up. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean... Some, some, yeah, it's not bad. Who cares? I mean, yeah, there's... I got a little figurine with it, too. That's cool. <laughs> you know, you know, pre-order, pre-order from the right developers, you know? If it's from Ubisoft or EA Games, not so much. Uh, I just, it, like I said, if it's a game I want, I just make sure I want my, co- I want my copy on hold. True. Yeah. Just like your... Just like with Best Buy and your Marvel Steelbook covers. Yeah, man, I gotta. I'm gonna start collecting all the MCU movies. You should. I mean, I mean, collecting everything else. What the fuck? <laughs> might as well. You, you might as well. And uh, I think Thor Ragnarok, the Steelbook's coming out in like March six. I think. I'm worried about the Steelbooks. But... Or yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's it's a nice little visual. And, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and they sell out mad quick too. So. Uh. Yeah, so uh, last last news headline, which flows into our main topic here. Uh, an activist group helps register voters at Black Panther screenings. Yeah, they took advantage of that shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the group is called the Electoral Justice Project, or the EJP, which is, an, which is an arm of the Movement for Black Lives organization and is led by Kayla Reed, Jessica Bird, no relation, and Rukia Lumumba. Uh, together, they started the hashtag Wakanda the Vote, which has garnered tremendous support online and social media. Their Wakanda the Vote campaign aims to register new voters for the upcoming 2018 midterm elections. And the EJP encourages those who are interested to text 91990 with the word Wakanda, which will let the EJP help them register to vote. Hey, I'm down. Shit, you know what? It, it, it's a great plug. It, it, I I support that. Like if you if you're gonna use something that's extremely hyped mm-hmm. as as the Black Panther movie, where they know they're gonna get millions of people, to, where you know they know that millions of people are gonna go see it, and then why not take advantage of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And plus, like there's like that also that also reminds me of the Black Panther challenge. Like from- oh yeah, like shout outs to my shout outs to Kobe Dennis who was supposed to be here, but and we were supposed to do it at It's Here Barbershop, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, conflicting, you know, scheduling conflicts come up. Yeah. So you got your two favorite guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but shout outs, to, shout outs to Kobe. He was uh, he actually issued people to do the Black Panther challenge, and he raised a lot of money oh, for man. a lot of kids to go see Black Panther. He's actually taking a lot of them out today. Oh, like as actually actually right now, hmm. that's really cool to watch to watch it. Hey, that's what's up. Hey, two thumbs up to that man. Because you know it's you know it's, you don't ever you don't ever get to see you know great black characters in a mainstream big budget Hollywood film on you this don't. level. So yeah. you know, hey, especially like the way they were portrayed. You know, let's just get into it. Yeah, we're gonna let's get into it. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into it, man, because we got so much to talk about. We're yeah. talking about Black Panther, which just dropped uh, in theaters last uh, last Friday. Spoiler alert! Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen the film yet, please put this on mute and get back to us. If you Didn't have seen actually it, actually debuted Thursday. Yeah, it debuted Thursday. Thursday well, night. 
Thursday night for like fan screenings, but yeah. open nationwide on th- on Friday. Um, so yes, Black Panther. This is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good lord, Good lord. yes, and it's been 10 years since the MCU started with Iron Man back in 08. This film. Uh, stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrero, Letitia Wright, Daniel Kaluuya, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis, Martin Freeman, John Canny, Florence Kasumba, Atana, Atanwa Kani, Sterling K. Brown, Isaac the Bank Hole, and Denzel Whitaker. I was gonna say you can pass it over to me just so you can get a just so you can get a take a breather. Oh no, I got it. I got it. Yeah, right. I'm good. Uh, and this was uh, directed by Ryan Coogler, his third film following Fruitvale Station and Creed, and written by Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. Uh, this film uh, follows T'Challa, a.k.a. the Black Panther. He returns to his native homeland of Wakanda to assume the throne following the death of his father, T'Chaka. As seen that, in- happened in, that happened in Civil War, so this happened yep. like, literally right after. Yep. And so Black Panther soon finds his reign challenged by the villainous Eric Killmonger Stevens, played by Michael B. Jordan, and is up to T'Challa and his people to save their country. Does Marvel's latest film in their cinematic universe live up to all of the immense hype? We will find out. So, as always, we will begin with you, Carl. What did you think of Black Panther? It lived up to the hype. Yes, it did. Completely. Like, I was... I was completely, I was amped when I knew that it was coming. I didn't even know much about Black Panther at the time. And once I learned, I was like, hey, they're gonna, they're actually going to do a Black Panther. And then I'm like, Chadwick Boseman? I liked 42. Mm-hmm. 42, get on up. Get on up, I've seen bits and pieces of I never had a chance to sit down and watch it. And when I did, I really did want to watch it. Mm-hmm. What's going on, Aris? Hey, Aris, what's up, man? Just in time for the Black Panther discussion. Yep. But um, so yeah, I was like, okay, you know, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm cool with it. And then after a while, I started hearing more and more, more and more names being cat, you know, being being joined to the cast. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this shit's gonna be fucking serious. Yeah. So then once he debuted, once they showed that he debuted in Civil War, I'm just like, and he turned out to be the best cat, like. Pretty much one of the best characters in Civil War, if not the best. Mm-hmm. The hype just kept getting hot. Like I just getting kept getting more hyped and more and more and more hyped, and I'm just like. And then now you know it's finally it finally came. It's finally here, and I'm just like, oh yeah. Not to mention the soundtrack. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar it, and others. Just got me even more excited. So I'm yep. just like, you know what? And then now that it finally came, completely lived up to it. Absolutely. Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, this movie, I had such high hopes going into it. And I was like, a lot of people did. So, yeah. in a way, I was so nervous. Yeah, me too. Because, like, when you look at the history of black superhero films, it's a pretty dismal one. I mean, us growing up in the 90s, what, what did we have? Child of the, child of the 90s, Iris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what did we have growing up? We had Meteor Man, Man. with Robert Townsend. I, for the record, I enjoyed it because it was. Just, I was a kid, yeah. and I just it was just I just wanted to have fun. Yeah, we had Blank, Blank Man, Man with Damon Wayans. <laughs> we had Spawn. Wait, whoa, whoa, okay. Spawn, Spawn was trash. The movie, not the comic. But I'm just gonna say this: as a, I was a Spawn fan. 
So mm-hmm. I was just happy just to get a Spawn movie. That was just crumbs, man. That movie came out of the crumbs But you know what it was? It wasn't. But it wasn't what Todd McFarlane wanted it to do. Wanted it to be. Right. It wasn't really supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. But the studios at the time, the budget that they gave him, mm-hmm. he had to work. They, that's what they they gave him. What he he had to work with what they gave him. Yeah. Oh, Steel is another one. Oh God, Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, Shaq was breaking backboards. Okay, they was throwing him in everything. Yeah, he had his own rap career going on too. Shaq Fu. Hey, hold on. <laughs> we'll say this though. You can't stop the rain with Biggie was a fire track. That was actually. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Shaq is actually the best athlete turned rapper ever. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Cause uh, we had Allen Iverson and Kobe trying to rap. Allen Iverson, Kobe, Deion Sanders. Really? Oh God, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> prime time, man. So yeah, we had those movies. Um, our our one was Blade. The first two, the Blade Trinity doesn't exist. So okay. Blades one and two, those were great. Sorry, Triple H. Yeah, but but then again, Blade wasn't a mainstream uh like hero for all ages. Right. Yeah. yeah it was an R rated gritty vampire you know fiction. Um, Hancock, which sucked. I'm sorry, that movie was trash. Good idea, terrible film. And that's all we had for black superhero films, really. Oh, and Catwoman. So. <laughs> So with Black Panther, it, it had the it had the weight of expectations on his shoulders, and after watching it in the theater, you know, I got I came away loving it. I was loving it throughout the film. Yeah, I rode home with you. You did not shut up. I did not. I could not shut up about this film. I could not stop facebooking and tweeting. No, about you was this going film. in. Yo, this yes. weekend, Jesus, I'm like, damn. Can you say some shit for the podcast, dude? I mean, yo, I was just. Oh, I, this movie was just so invigorating. It's like you Googled Black Panther every 10 minutes just to yes. find something. Yes, I did. I absolutely did. And you know what? I was just taking a guess, but okay. Like, like a slight exaggeration, but mm-hmm. you know, this movie was invigorating. And what I really loved about Black Panther was that it was an MCU film that didn't feel like any of the other MCU films, but it's still very much fit in that universe. And that was like a tricky balance that Ryan Coogler pulled off. Like yeah, so effectively. I still, had, I still had I went in there thinking I went in there like oh, okay. I went in there as like, okay, it's an, it's another MCU. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think so much of it as a black movie because you know what? It was a superhero movie. I was gonna go regardless. Right. And I just <clears throat> I, don't know, I just had, I just, I knew that, you know, the black community was all up for it. I was, they were all going to go support it, but mm-hmm. I just didn't see it as a black movie. I just knew, I saw it as just, uh, I saw it as a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. just so cool that I was starting to see more people, more and more people getting so excited over it. Mm-hmm. Um, people actually doing their research on Wakanda, doing their research on Black Panther and mm-hmm. stuff. Like his, no- his first appearance in Fantastic. Four. I think it was Fantastic Four issue issue fifty. It was in one. I want to say. Yeah, I think it was issue fifty. Fantastic Four, nineteen sixty six. Because he was originally created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Kirby, Yeah. Yep. Fifty two. Fifty two. Close. July of nineteen sixty six. Yeah, and. You know, the, for for me, this film like, it just felt so refreshing because it's very much a standalone film, even though it does fit in the larger MCU. So even if you, so even if this is like literally your, you didn't introduction, have to see any. Yeah, you did not yeah. have to see it. 
Yeah, you have to see any. You didn't have to see any of them. Right. This was this. This could have been your introduction to the MCU. If this right. was their first film, you'd have been. You came away with like, wow, this is this is great. I want to see the others. But man, this this film was just so awesome. And also, what I loved, it could have survived as a standalone film as well. Absolutely, it could. It could. It could have. And and you know what? I think this film is definitely a game changer for the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward in many ways. Right. Like like. There's so much to get into. Like one of the one of the big reasons that I really like this film so much is is how it explores issues of identity, specifically like black identity and and you know racial politics. It, mm. The movie doesn't shy away from it, but it it does it in a way that it's accessible and it's not preachy. Like it, it gets its point across to its characters, right? And and especially through who I feel is the best villain in any of the MCU films, Eric Killmonger, Killmonger Stevens, played by Michael B. Jordan. You know, I Yo. actually felt like he was just like, yeah, he was driven mm-hmm. by anger. You know, he had he had anger and vengeance on him. You know, on his on his spirit. Yeah, but his reasons were justified. Absolutely. Like when he went and when he rolled up into Wakanda, and he's just like. I mean, he said, look at you guys, you know, we're sitting, you guys are sitting, like, there's like millions of people out there mm-hmm. struggling, you know, going through slavery and, you know, black on black crime and all that. And y'all yeah. sitting here just chilling. Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah. eating good. Yeah. Because like, because like Wakanda is like this isolated nation that's, Correct. that's managed to avoid, you know, being colonized by you know invaders from europe and they and their technology just grew just from vibranium they pro- yeah they prospered yeah. while everybody else went through their trials and tribulations yeah so while the rest of the uh black african diaspora was enslaved wakanda was just in its and it's like little little slice of heaven building themselves up and then and then that's a big source of anger for Killmonger, right. who you know who grew up in in Oakland in the nineties, which was a fucked up time back. Shout out to Aris for that one. Yeah, Aris had an awesome joke. He's like, a, he's like, hey, hey, like in in regards to T'Chaka killing yeah. Killmonger's father. Who you know was what's an interesting fact about that? What? What? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You, you you keep interrupting me, but go on. I'm sorry, it happened. But you do really you notice that the guy who played young T'Chaka mm-hmm. was actually the son. Yeah. Of um to, of, of older T'Chaka? Yeah, John Candy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just found that out like yesterday, so I was just like it just hit me. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm excited. That was really I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um But go ahead. But yeah, what I well, but Aris uh, brought up an interesting joke. It's like uh, as far as like um um Killmonger's father played by Sterling K Brown. Didn't even know that too. And I'm sitting there yeah. like I sent a joke to my sister like <clears throat> When you find out that Randall from This Is Us is actually from Wakanda, <laughs> yeah, he's like, Aris was like, "Hey, he, he like in regards to Killmonger, it's like, hey, sorry that my dad killed your dad and left you in Oakland in the nineties. <laughs> That's fucked up." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that really was bad." Yeah. It was crazy, like in that scene, in that scene where um, they show Sterling K. Brown and um, what was the, who was to turn out to be the younger ver- younger version of Forrest Whitaker's character. Yep. They actually showed like the riots going on on TV. Yep, the Rodney King riots right. at the time. Like yeah. they was, they just yeah, they just pawned off, and I'm like, oh snap, they're really looking. I'm like, yo, good shit right there. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like, and it's like with uh, with Killmonger, it's like he grew up like, like he grew up in that environment, and right. so like, so like, and and and, and T'Chaka just like covered up, covered up, covered up, killing his father, and just like left him there. Right. Without saying a word, so so not only did he 
did he grow up as an outcast, but he had to grow up in the system of you know being a victim of prejudice and racism in America as a yes. as a young black man growing up. Possibly poverty. Poverty. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and and then he grew up. He made a name for himself. Went to MIT. Then went to the army. And then became a killing machine. Desta- trained to destabilize governments, which you which he which he yeah. actually did in Black Panther. Yeah. Um and. And so, like with with Killmonger and his methods, and he was cold blooded too. Even went so far as to killing his own his girlfriend. girlfriend. He didn't give a fuck. Like we're just, gonna be all right, babe. Boom. Like, yep. Just to get to uh, Ulysses Claw. And yo, like for 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 Killmonger, it's like I did not agree with his methods, but I completely understood where he was coming from. Yeah, he was actually justified, but he's yeah. just like, but it's just like he was driven by so much hate and vengeance that like he just. Like you could not rock with him. He had to be stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and that's a good point, uh, Quincy, uh, on the chat. Same with the uh, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker's character Zuri, right. who was uh, who was actually played by uh, Denzel Whitaker. No relation to Forrest. Really? Um, yeah. And he was also in. Uh, they were both in the Great Debaters as well. Um, I think because uh, um, he also played his son too. Forrest Whitaker's character's son in that movie. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I remember watching The Great Debaters. That was a good movie. Yeah, it was. And and Zuri too. He had a hand in covering covering it up as well. You know, he was like it was like, "Hey, you know, we can't expose Wakanda. So even if it meant, you know, leaving one of our one of our own behind, so be it." And 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 what's and what's interesting too is like when you look at Killmonger's motivation and and the motivation of say um uh, Lupita Nakia, Lupita Nyong'o's character, their their goals were the same. the same. Like they wanted to like expand Wakanda for the good of mankind, but they had very different intentions. Right. And so and so even then, like Nakia is like, yo, we have all this technology, we and we have like what over two billion of our people, you know, black people all over the world. We can really help them, you know. Yeah. And and you know, T'Challa, you know, even though you understand where he's coming from, is like, yeah, but if any of our technology ends up in the wrong, wrong hands. hands then that's he didn't the, want to take he didn't yeah. want to take that risk. Yeah, that could be the end of Wakanda itself. So I got to look out for our people too. So you can kind of understand like the, the struggle the conflict, of both. Yeah. yeah, like the the isolationism versus like branching out. So like every character in this movie, like their motivations, you understood where they were coming from, even even if you disagreed with them. And right. and it, and it went and it just went beyond like oh I'm the bad guy I want to destroy everything just cause. And that's it, like Apocalypse or like all the DCEU villains. No, these people had real motivation and characters. John Aponic. Anyway. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, we will get to that. Relax, relax. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm relaxed. I'm good. We're at 80. Let's go back to 60. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But, yo, man. Yo, so yeah, big ups, man, to the writing. The writing was just on point with the characters. Yeah, like... And just the car- and just the actors alone, just like for nailing it, they embrace it. This was a passion project. Yeah, it certainly was. Like, like you can literally, you can just tell by just the way, like everybody. So they were how, the way how everybody signed up to, um, to you know, start to play in this movie, and then just yeah. Like, yeah, you can just I don't know. I'm having yeah. like breaking yeah, like right you now. Can, you can just like, tell, like yeah, you can see the enthusiasm. Hey, thank you. Yeah, because they all knew like what this what this project meant. Could, yeah, what yeah. it meant and what it could what it could do what it could do what it could be. Mm-hmm. They knew. Yeah, and and also too like uh, 
I also liked uh, some of the other characters, like Umbaku, who was the head of the Jabari tribe, who was the first to challenge. He's, he just became like, like yesterday. He was me. Yeah, I'm a so, I'm the social media chair, so I'm on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. He was a lot of MCMs. Man, man, crush Mondays. Mondays yeah, he <laughs> Yo, was a lot of them. Yo, Winston Duke, who plays Umbaku, the leader of the Jabari tribe, he was the first to challenge T'Challa for the throne. And, like, I just loved, like, how he kept interrupting uh, Everett Ross. Uh, every time, like, he tried to chime in, he just went, Ooh, <laughs> and it's like, but, but I was, Ooh. <laughs> I, I was just, Ooh. and then he just, just, just kept, like, barking. Exactly. <laughs> like, it had so many, ele- it had so many elements. It had elements where you, you know, you felt for the characters. You felt mm-hmm. some sadness. You felt some triumph. You mm-hmm. felt some, there was some comedy in there. Yo, Ulysses Claw was hilarious. Oh, my God. Andy Circus. Circus. <laughs> He chewed the scenery and he made the most of it. He did. Yeah, you could tell he had a ball on that set. Yeah, he like, had to. Like that, the, the opening scene where they robbed the uh, museum and he tells that one last dude, like, oh, you can run. Go off. Go off. Just tell everyone. We won't do anything. He, yeah. he lets him run off. He's like, like this motherfucker like, here. Why'd you do that? It's like, well, yeah, you, know, you don't, you don't want to make it too professional where everyone's all crowded in at once. You know, make them all spread out. It's like, damn, that's, that's some cold-blooded logic. But yo, um, but you know what's 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 interesting to what's interesting too is like the fact that Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman are, are the only two white guys in it, and they yeah. both starred in Lord, Lord of the Rings. Three, three Lord of well, yeah, three. No, three, the Hob- white, three white guys. Who's the third? Stan Lee. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> of course, Stan Lee with, with his with his cameo in the casino. You, you gotta love Stan Lee cameos. Yeah, you gotta love him. Oh, I saw yeah. a me. I saw a meme too, and it's just like, yo, don't you hate on Stan Lee making his cameos? All right, he, he earned it, man. He does. No, he does this. Yeah, yeah, he does this. This is just is is just what it is. Yeah, and that's and a- it, it was a good cameo because he's like in a place where there's mu- multicultural people there. Yep. So it's uh, not like you're gonna see Stan Lee in like the middle of Wakanda, like yeah, <laughs> like a tourist. Walking, yeah, like a tourist or something, or mm-hmm. like or any. Anything that was disrespectful to the culture, no, mm-hmm. no, not at all. Yeah, like um, like his scene took place in the South Korea, yeah, in Busan. In like a casino when it was when it was um, where uh, Ulysses Claw was about to sell the uh, vibranium that was stolen from the from the museum in early yep. early in the movie. Yeah, he was about to sell it to uh, the CIA through Everett, Everett Ross. Yeah, and that's how they all uh, meet. And yo, I gotta say that fight that scene was badass too. Yo. Like 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 He's, just like just Okoye? a by Played Den- by Denai Guerra. Guerrera. Guerrera. Yeah. Is that how you really pronounce it? Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I never knew how to pronounce it. Yeah. Two R's. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But, but that, yo, she was so... First of all, she's badass with a katana. She is. So now that she learned how to work a, a bow stick, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think there's anything that this chick can't do. Yeah. She rocks the action scenes, man, as the as the head of the uh, Dora Milaje. Yeah. Yo, like... Like her and uh, Lupita Nyong'o, and of course Chadwick Boseman, like they they were kicking ass in that scene. Their their chemistry was amazing. Mm-hmm. Their banter back and forth. Oh yeah, especially the Tisha Wright's character. Oh Shuri, Shuri. the younger T'Challa's Yo, younger sister. Of, because of them, I actually see like future Dora Milaje projects. Yeah, like their own con- like their own comic line. Um, maybe like. ABC will probably pick up like you know how they do Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they'll probably have like their own show, like explaining like the origins of the Dora Milaje. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe 
Oh, I wouldn't say Netflix, but you never know. Um, maybe another series on Hulu since Runaways is doing okay. Yeah, and and also too, in fact, there's a well, there was a short-lived um, a series on the two members of the Dora Milaje, Okoye and Ayo, oh, yeah. I believe, and it's called World of Wakanda, and that's written by Roxanne Gay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's only it was only six issues, but I heard that was also pretty good too. Oh, okay. Yeah, and but yeah, that that casino scene was cool because like the way it was like lit with the with the red and burgundy and gold like color scheme it kind of reminded me of the casino scene in skyfall like because mm-hmm. it looked because it, looked, it looked so similar and they right. were both badass scenes too so i was like oh that's a really nice touch and in fact the the cinematography of, the, of this film was rachel morrison who uh did the cinematography for um fruitvale station and uh mudbound which she was nominated for an oscar as well all right yeah well, and you know ryan coogler's gotta get his people yeah ryan coogler's three for three He's three for three, and you know what? I think with um with Black Panther as well as as well as a Thor Ragnarok, it's like Marvel is starting to give directors more freedom to put their more of their like stamp on these films. Yeah, and you can do, and you definitely see it with with Black Panther as well because Ryan Coogler was very keen on getting his people on this project rather than like Marvel's in house team of right. their you know camera people and whatnot. Yeah, good decision, Kevin Feige. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I got to say, like, Shuri, like, she had some of the funniest lines oh in the film. Oh, my God, the comic relief. They're called sneakers. Sneakers. Like, I'm like, dude. <laughs> oh, those sneakers kind of look kind of look clean, though. I was like, you know what? I still wouldn't rock them, but, I mean, they're dope. Just tweak the design a bit. Yeah. I might buy them. <laughs> um, and she was like, I have a question for you, T'Challa. What's that? What are those? Those, yeah. But, yo. <laughs> Pointing at his sandals. Yeah, and that's how, you know, the writers were not culturally clueless no because literally that trend kind of died like sometime last year maybe a little before that mm. so it's like we haven't heard it and i haven't heard it in a grip so then like when she just came out with that it was like it's like a tiny bit of nostalgia mm-hmm. from like a year ago but it was like yo the timing was just perfect it was, and and when we saw it with a packed house at Providence Place, like yeah, everyone, was, everybody was, the whole theater was laughing. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Shuri, she's actually like a genius level, even more so than Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? You know what I was thinking? You know what? You don't even need to include Riri Williams in this, in the in the MCU. You can just have Shuri. You can, but you know what? Riri Williams and Shuri competing against each other? Hmm. Kind of genius stuff. You know what? Like maybe post Avengers four, like yeah. with a whole new MCU yeah. line. I could see that. I, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll see. I would like to see that. Hmm. That could that could work. It didn't. Yeah, it can. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Letitia, right? And they're man. both like fairly young. Like I don't know how old uh, Letitia Young's character was supposed to be. Uh, it's like sixteen. Riri Williams is a genius fifteen-year-old. There you go. Hell, they can have their own like series of movies or even tv shows whatever yeah oh definitely yeah definitely. but it has to be Letitia right oh yeah she nailed it yeah and the tech and the technology it, it was just so dope it was like the like the the hologram projected projected cars and vehicles yeah the cars the little walkie-talkies that was just in their hand yep and but, they just appeared they just magically appeared yeah and they're just talking you're just talking to them like yo that is like yeah, they're they're like literally in the year like like a hundred. That's like FaceTime like fifty years later. Yeah, like 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 Wakanda. They're living in like three thousand eighteen. Yeah, we're still in twenty eighteen. Exactly. Yeah, and 
and also too like the the action scenes too were very well very well done like the car chase in 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 korea that was um, good. yeah that was cool the the two the two fight scenes in the, in the waterfall where it's like where it was like a umbaku the, oh versus, the um yeah that was T'Challa. like the uh the cer- yeah the ceremony, the ceremony to, be to be king yeah and then like killmonger who man he was he beat the shit out of t'challa like, yeah, he was like this your king it. Yeah, yeah, and all same. the markings. For- oh yeah, say yeah, which symbolizes that every person that he's killed. Yeah, he wore those markings with like a badge of honor. Yeah, man. Like you, he's just say he he was on the dark side. He was like he he was coming for that crown and he got it. He did. And and Forrest Whitaker, he tried to he tried to stop him. He's like, yo, don't take the child, take me. Okay. <laughs> no. No hesitation. None. None. Which actually. Brings me to one of the as out to um, something I have in my notes. Mm-hmm. This is pretty much a Lion King. Hmm. Plot wise, okay. yeah. yeah. Mm. Father dies, son succeeds the throne. Mm-hmm. Am I? Yeah, that's happened. Okay, T'Challa, quote unquote, dies. Simba runs away. Mm-hmm. So he's gone for a while. The evil relative takes over. Yeah. Wow. The protagonist has a vision with of the of his deceased father, mm-hmm. the spirit plane. Yeah, yep. the spirit plane, and then of course, and the Lion King. Yep. Uh, you know the remember who you are seeing. Mm-hmm. They were brought back by their love interest. Nakia does go back, uh, of course, along with Ramonda, Queen Ramonda, and uh, who else was there? And Shuri. And Shuri, yeah. Yep. Nala goes back to get Simba. Well, she finds him. She goes to look for help and finds Simba. Yeah. Fights for the king. Fights his evil relative for the kingdom. Yeah. Man, he wins. Yeah. Damn. That is the Lion King. Like, I'm literally, like, sitting there. I'm like, wow, this really is Lion King. Yeah. Holy shit. You know, that's just supposed to show you, you know. No, I, Some stories can be retold. Yeah, and, it, and what was what was the Lion King based off of? Uh, Hamlet. There you go. Yeah, so it shows you it's like no idea is original, but it's not what you do, but how, how you, you do, do it. it. Yeah, damn, and that Black Panther in a nutshell. Yeah, and speaking of Queen Ramonda, Angela, Angela Bassett. Yo, yes. tell me she did not. First of all, she ne- hey auntie. Oh, <laughs> that shit had me dying. I was rolling. Like, that's a, <laughs> yo, shout outs to my aunt Sandra because I mm. wanted that became a gift. Like already, yeah. I by Sunday, see it. yeah. So I I saw that my aunt Sandra out in um out in California. Shout out to her. She went in traditional African gear. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I saw that. I said, you know what? Boom! I was like, I had to use it. Hey, auntie. <laughs> Yo, my cousins and sisters who already seen it were dying. Oh man. So um and then. This is a a meme. Well, it was a meme. It was it was a picture that somebody screenshotted. But shout outs to at Ayana the Diva. Mm-hmm. She actually tweeted this and posted it on her Instagram. So she goes, "So y'all mean to tell me Angela Bassett done played Rosa Parks, Coretta Scott King, mm-hmm. Tina Turner, yep. Betty Sabaz, yep. Valletta Wallace, mm-hmm. done got her groove back, mm-hmm. burned her cheating husband's clothes, yep. and gave birth to a king of Wakanda, and y'all." St- Still ain't gave Auntie no Oscar. That is true. That is damn true. Yo, Angela Bassett, one of our greatest actresses, never won an Oscar. 
She was nominated for What's Love Got to Do With It. Was she? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Eat the cake anime. <laughs> oh man. But but yo, you know, looking at Angela Bassett and with with the white hair, I was I kept thinking to myself, yo, Fox had such a missed opportunity. They should have cast her as Storm when they had the chance. They did. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And I think I think they wanted to cast Holly Berry just for like sex appeal and stuff, like Actually, you know, if I remember right, I think they they did approach Fox did approach Angela Bassett and Angela Bassett actually turned them down because she thought that a comic book movie was beneath her or something to that effect. This was like a news headline like years and years ago. Like, so I might be misremembering, but I think I do think Angela Bassett did turn it down the role of Storm when she was approached by Fox. But man, you you know what? You know that what? could have been. You know, it could have been a bless. It, it probably could have been a blessing in disguise. Maybe, but you know what I'd like to see? I, now that Disney has owns owns X-Men, owns 20th Century Fox, the entertainment division, like if they have, they can keep the MCU, but they can have like another separate line of That's standalone what I was films hoping, yeah. and have like an older version of Storm, like playing that Regal version, and then you can have like a successor, you know, still with a- Alexandra Ship, who's currently playing well, the Well, kind of, you do know that cool. Storm is, Storm is supposed to be married to Black Panther. Right. That's true, but um, I'm just saying, like in the in the in the film version, like you can have an older version of Storm with another version of Black Panther if you want to go that route, like a right. separate line, a separate film outside of the MCU. They can still do that, I, I think. Listen, they own it. The world is theirs at this point. <laughs> yeah, entertainment world. But uh, but yeah, like like I I I just love seeing Angela Bassett in this film. Like even though her role, uh, I, even though her role was like mostly supportive, like she she brought that reg- regality. Yeah. To the, to the film, um, I think she probably. I think after this, she's probably going to be known as Auntie. <laughs> I won't be surprised. Hey, you know what? If if it leads her to make more to be cast in like bigger bigger films, bigger oh, roles, bigger I would love projects it. is yeah. on the way for her. Yeah, she deserves it. Hell, oh, she's yeah. she's a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, man. You know, she does have a star. Yeah. Okay. There's there's some good validation for it. Yeah. I mean, and. And you know what? Like I, I will say, like the the one thing that really popped out in this film to me was the costume design and the production Listen. design. Yo, <sighs> like, and it was all true to. Like, I see that you put one of your many Black Panther posts this weekend. <laughs> like, like I see you post as uh, I forgot her name. Uh, it was a, a Twitter user by the name of a uh, let me see Diasporic Blues. Right. Yeah. And she gave like the history, or like at least brief descriptions of like various like garments that were used in the movie like i know you have some yeah like she showed like like this twitter user diasporic blues like she 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 uh showed like the visuals from the film of like the costumes and outfits with the real life inspirations uh from like different african cultures like for example the zulu headdresses like the ones that romanda wears in the film uh the maasai uh designs for mm-hmm. the dora malaje armor from tanzania and kenya um, the Basotho blanket that Wakabi wears, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character. Yeah. Uh, all the even the language, which is a Zosha, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is a from a South African dialect, right. which is which stands in for Wakanda. Like there was a lot of like awesome inspirations. You could tell like the like the costume designer, like uh, Ruth. Let me see, Ruth E. Oh, was, where, oh man, Mister Mister Name. 
uh, Ruth E. Carter. Yes, Ruth E. Carter. She was the costume designer for this film, and she was also the costume designer for many of Spike Lee's films. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna get you, sucker. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. So Antonio Fargus with the with the with the yellow yeah. pimp costume. <laughs> that was her. That was her. Oh yeah. my god, I love that scene. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you know that the the Sean and Marlon Wayans was in that scene? Oh, they were. Yeah, they were the kids. La- they were the kids in the back room laughing. Yeah, and with they the, chasing them down. the goldfish platform shoes, man. But yo, Ruthie Carter, yo, she she deserves an Oscar nomination for her work in this film because, like, yeah. even T'Challa with some of his outfits, like, yo, I, I want that shirt, man. <laughs> but yeah, like, it was like painstaking. Speaking of shirts, painstaking I noticed research. you got your, you know, got yes. your little dashiki that you yes. that you wore to the theater. Yep, I wore this dashiki. Uh, I got which I got from Nigeria. Uh, back in t- on my trip in 2011, I broke it out, wore it for the Black Panther uh, Friday night premiere. I wore one. I well wore one as well. I wore. Um, shout out to my friend from work, Ben. He let mm-hmm. me. He let me one of his. Uh, this this today, I just got my Black Panther T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but yo, real talk. A lot of people were stunting. Listen. I yeah. was getting my ticket for. I was claiming my ticket from the little machine that they have, mm-hmm. and there was this one girl. There was this one girl. I should have got her name and stuff. She was like from head to toe, mm-hmm. face paint and e- traditional face paint and everything. Yeah. So I think she took a picture of me, mm-hmm. or of you know getting the ticket or whatever. And then yeah. I just looked at. Her, I was like, and then she just. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> she did it with pride too. Like BHS. I'm like. Yeah, man. Okay, I am not knocking you, sister. Go ahead. Yeah. It's an awesome greeting like, right there. I mean, the cosplay was everywhere. I mean, it started Thursday night. Yeah. Like, people literally showed up as dressed up as Akeem and J- King Joffy Jofer from my favorite movie, Coming, Coming to, to America. America. Yep. Oh, some people had the... Uh, some women came up with the rose petals, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a, yeah, there was a video of that one. I saw... I had a good laugh at that. Yeah. Uh, I mean... The hashtag, you can just look up the hashtag Wakanda Forever, like everybody, like so many people, so many families just taking pictures in front of their, um, the Black Panther poster mm-hmm. um, and just, and just get up. I saw like, I saw a video of these um, young girls. I, I think, I, I believe I posted it on our page, on our Facebook page, where like these young girls, they were dressed up mm-hmm. as full Dora Milaje's. Oh, wow. And they had like, and they did like a traditional dance. Nice. That's awesome. Like yeah. we didn't play. I saw a lot of people, you know, downplay downplaying. I'm like, listen, Star Wars fans, they can cosplay to to the theaters. Yep. Harry Potter fans, everybody has their little lightning bolts, their little wand sticks, and everything. Mm-hmm. Nobody says nothing to them. Nope. But when we want to stunt, people want to try to. That's just people just trying to rain on the parade. Rain on that parade. Yeah. Let us be extra. Yeah, man. So get the stick out your ass. You know, stop being all bougie and pretentious. Mm-hmm. Shit, yeah. But yo, man, man don't just be bougie people. Don't you want to just slap them sometimes? I know, right? It's yeah. a bunch of douchebags, right? Uh, they're too. They, they just want to. They're too extra. There's no need to dress up in traditional African garb to a superhero film. Shut up. I know, right? Dummies. Yeah. Yeah, but yo, man, and not to Pride. mention, the soundtrack was included. Yes, yo. I gotta say, man, I gotta applaud. Uh, I'm still bumping the soundtrack. I still am too, but I gotta applaud this film for solving the one problem I that had, you have that I've had for for the previous 17 MCU films. Lud- Ludwig Göransson, Ludwig Göransson, 
did an excellent had provided an excellent the same musical guy, score. The same guy who did Creed. Same guy who did Creed. Yo, the dude because he, he's yo Ryan Coogler. He gets yo. his people. Yeah, he, he has his team. It took Ryan Coogler to get his team, specifically Ludwig Göransson, to provide the original score for Black Panther, and the score is actually memorable. You know, he's fits- actually um he signed to Rock Nation. He is. Yeah. Good for him. Yo, I oh I can hear that. I can I can definitely hear it. Like in the he produced production. Redbone by Childish Gambino. There you go. There you go. Yo, and he did. The, he does. He also did the music for a Community, the show. Oh really? Yeah. So yeah, Ludwig Göransson, man, his 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 score was off the chain, just as good as as Kendrick Lamar's soundtrack. Like you know, it was, it's mm, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's like a, a seamless blend of orchestral compositions with African drum beats and chants. It's the cure for the common MCU score. Like all the MCU scores are just like temp tracks that they forgot to switch over to real scores. But Black Panther, the music is on point. Like Kendrick Lamar, he 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 brought the heat. So did Ludwig Göransson. Both both the score and the soundtrack, they're on Spotify. Listen to them both. Yo, big ups, big ups to Ludwig Göransson. Now, what's one crazy about Kendrick Lamar? You know, he was only supposed to do just one song for the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, but Ryan Coogler let him watch the movie, mm-hmm. and he just like he just basically was like, "Fuck it, I'm doing the whole soundtrack." Good for him. He got inspired. He's and uh, yeah, the movie, the songs were actually inspired by the movie. Mm. It's not like you. It's not like a traditional soundtrack where they just like throw a whole bunch of so- they just do a whole bunch of songs and say that it is. Yeah. But it's this one is act. It actually is inspired by the movie. Mm. And like, and Kendrick is on every song. Yeah, he is. Like, not as maybe not as like a huge featured artist, but maybe like doing an ad lib or something here or there. Mm-hmm. Maybe short verses here or there. But like, he's he's on every song. Yeah, and it was cool hearing some of the songs in the film. Yeah, the soundtrack like "Pray for Me" in the casino scene. Oh, yeah. All the stars in the in the closing credits. It was yeah. perfect. Like it was perfect. Yeah, like man, you know the score is just awesome, and so that just showed that like even down to that, even down to that element, like they they were not playing. Though Ryan Cooler and company, they were playing for keeps. They wanted to get every single element right, and now, they let did. Me ask, let me ask you this. And John Aponic, you can tune into, you can uh, chime in on this too. Mm-hmm. Do you think we will see the same amount of love that we, when Cyborg gets his own movie? Hmm. I don't think so. No. Nah. Because I think, because right now, DC, they're going to attempt to reboot the DCU with Flashpoint. Right. So, and Cyborg was just a, he was just there in Justice was, League. Yeah, he was aluminum foil. <laughs> wrapped around a stroke wrapped around a laser pointer pretty much that Sound was him. Street junkies in there on his trailer yeah that was him so yo dc needs to step their game up as far as like black heroes are concerned but yo and you know what they could i mean mm-hmm. i've been hearing good things about black lightning i don't know if you're still watching it um i, I watched the f- I, I gotta catch up man i've been yeah, i know you i know you watched the first episode yeah. um but I still been hearing some good things about about Black Lightning, and um, I would like to see Static Shock. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. But about But if they're gonna do Static Shock, they have to do it right. They have to do it right, just the same like how they do with Luke Cage too. It's like you mm. have to get people who are not culturally clueless. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what a pro. That's the problem nowadays. Is like 
with anything, just like when they put, they just put the wrong people behind it. Hashtag H and M. Yup. Coolest monkey in the jungle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But then another meme has came to come to my attention where they showed the picture of uh, Nate Parker's film Birth of a Nation. Yeah. And next to it was an empty movie theater. Mm-hmm. Then they showed Black Panther. Yep. Full and everybody in African garb mm-hmm. pretty much it this weekend. Every yeah. movie theater this weekend. I do have, you know, a shout out to all the movie theater employees yeah i worked at a movie theater back when i was 18 i know the struggle except that my big the movie the big movie that i watched that i had to deal with yeah at that time Mm -hmm. especially working at a movie theater in baltimore Mm -hmm. was drumline oh man drum drumline is a good movie it is a good movie but it like sold out it was like packed every week for like maybe a month or two Mm. I know Mar- Maryland's pretty big with like marching bands and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's part of the culture down there. Yeah. I so can and, so it brought to my attention. So like people was like, oh, how come they didn't? Okay, here's a movie that was you know that Nate Parker raised the money for himself because the, stu- the no studio wanted to back him up. Mm-hmm. They tried to shut it down by bringing up bringing up his uh, rape allegations from when he was in college that he was acquitted for, mm-hmm. and nobody really like supported it. Yeah. But yet Disney puts this out and everybody, you know, and everybody's supporting that. So yep. I'm thinking is because I remember you you reviewed Birth of a Nation. Yeah. And you said it wasn't a bad film. No, it wasn't. But I think but like it told, a, you know, it told a good story, a story that I think our generation should learn about. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like because now that people are, are more socially conscious culturally conscious culturally conscious conscious thing yeah yeah (laughs) that people will actually go back Mm -hmm. and watch birth of a nation and then birth of a nation can actually be a success because if you can remember there have been there have been movies that weren't so successful in the theaters yeah but yet when they came out on dvd or when they were available in other on other various platforms that they actually became successful Mm -hmm. one one um one example I can think of was Boondock Saints. Yeah. Boondock mm-hmm. Saints wasn't really that big in the theater, but yet it's like a cult classic now. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually hoping that this could happen with Birth of a Nation because I believe that the um, Nat Turner story is an important story. And Nate Parker hasn't done anything since. Yeah, that's true. It's He's... like it, it's kind of like Hollywood blackballed him. Yeah. That yeah, that is absolutely true. Like he like he's it's like he disappeared yeah it's like it's like stay out i went i went to his i went on his wikipedia and i saw that was the last thing he's done yeah and he actually said in an interview that he was just he was perfectly okay about that he wanted to make sure that like that was his dream project he wanted to make sure he got that movie got made Mm. and he did and you know he's a talented director too yeah he's very talented yeah and you know what hopefully hey you know what hopefully marvel can give him a chance to do something too you know or or Fox or something, you know, because he de- he deserves he deserves a a good project. I can't picture, yeah, I can't picture him any as a Marvel character as of right now. Like like maybe like something to direct, and maybe something like it could be even a Netflix series, something, yeah. you know, you know, give give him something because you know I ha- I hate to see good talent go to waste, especially over especially over like a <laughs> yes a serious allegation, but that was almost twenty years ago and he was acquitted. Yeah, so it's like. How how long do you want to hang that over a, a, a person's head? 
there's some selective outreach there. I agree. Yeah. Well, hold on. Okay. What? R. Kelly was acquitted. No, <laughs> no. Wait, okay. You still hang okay. that over his head. And he's still a talented musician. That's R. Kelly is different because it was on videotape and it was with a child. He still got acquitted. Because the because because the jury the jury was a bunch of dumbasses probably. Okay, another one, Michael don't Jackson. You? Oh come on, don't, don't don't talk about MJ, man. I, no no no, I don't listen, I don't. Believe... I'm as big as MJ fan as anybody else. Those allegations. My are... aunt Gail can attest to that. She yeah. can testify to that one. The... I was little MJ in the family. Those allegations were just throwing dirt on his name. No 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 basis. And no people basis. Still hold that over his head. Yeah, well, you know what? Even the, beyond the grave, even beyond the grave, people still hold that to his head. I know. And the dude was probably the the one of the greatest like musicians ever. Absolutely. You know what? The 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 MJ allegations are different. You know what? You know this is just dirt on his name. You know, I I think there's a lot of people just trying to get money off him and his estate. Nah, son. No, definitely that. Yeah, but 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 yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah, Black Panther, man. Any other uh, thoughts? Any other? Um, I'm gonna read off some of these uh, Easter eggs that I came across. Uh, shout outs to CBR.com. Okay. Um, I came across this article where there is some, where they reveal like some Easter eggs. So, um, mm-hmm. first, the first one is the Oakland roots of the Black Panther. Yeah. Okay. Ryan Coog- it says here Ryan Coogler, who wrote and directed the film, was born in Oakland, California, and his hometown has played a major role in all three of the major motion pictures that he has released so far: Fruitvale Station, Creed, and now Black Panther, which both opens and closes in Oakland. Here, though, Kugler is not simply reference, referencing his own childhood, but looking at the very important connection that Oakland has to the cultural history of Black Panther. Oakland, you see, was the, was where the Black Panther Party was formed in 1966 by Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, Sharon Fort, Re, Rocky Fort, Bobby Hutton, and Albert, and Albert Howard. Newton took an iconic shot of him sitting in a wicker chair that looked like a throne, along with a gun and a spear. The image, which was the inspiration for an ad for the film featuring Black Panther and his Wakandan throne. Ah, nice. I, ooh, I don't think I can probably get yeah. this. This is a lot. Yeah, you can just like you can skip. Okay, well, it can yeah, be like no, one, one, one per page, one or two yeah, per page. Yeah. Okay. Um. Actually, okay. And another one was the um. If you remember at the beginning of the film, that damn, I'm talking like you now. The film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. The beginning of the movie that um, where Eric Killmonger was in the uh the British Museum and yeah. after they robbed it, so he was looking at the mask and he was like, we so Ulysses Claus Claus was like, you want that mask? He's like. Are you trying to see is that mask made of uh, um, vibranium. vibranium too? And he's like, I'm just feeling it. Mm-hmm. Take it. Okay. <laughs> he sure did. Well, that that was um, actually uh, part of, that was something that Eric Killmonger actually wore in the comics as well. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A tribute to the first Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And the oversized one shot that helped the, that helped launch the Marvel's Marvel's current Marvel Legacy event event writer Jason Ira took took us one million years into the past to see the Avengers of that era, which basically consisted of Odin, Agamotto, who later willed the powerful eye, eye of Agamotto to the Sorcerer Supreme, and the original versions of a number of Marvel characters whose powers get passed down over time, namely Ghost Rider, Phoenix, Starbrand, Iron Fist, and, of course, Black Panther. 
Before this amazing reveal, however, the first Black Panther that we knew about came from came during Jack Kirby's late 70s Black Panther run. His name was Bashenga. In the film, tribute is paid to the to his character to this character by having Mount Bashenga where vibranium is mined and Shuri has her lab named after him. Oh. Yeah, interesting touch. Yeah, and then Killmonger wants to freaking set it on fire. <laughs> yeah. Burn it all. Yeah. All right. Charging right off the comic book page. One of the most stunning visual sequences in the film came from the final battle of the movie where the Wakanda army, remaining loyal to Killmonger, were trying to, are trying to kill T'Challa while the Dora Milaje, still loyal to T'Challa, battle against their fellow Wakandans. The army, the army unleashes a bit of a secret weapon, vibranium armored rhinos. Yep. While it's still running... While it's still... While it's still a stunning spectacle in the film, it's amazingly enough it actually evokes a classic Black Panther storyline from the comic books and the and the original Panthers Rage story arc from Jungle Action, which provided the same that which provided the basic framework for the film story arc, right down to Killmonger throwing T'Challa from a waterfall in both stories. Mm-hmm. Black Panther actually does wrestle a rhino in Jungle Action Number Nine by Don McGregor, Gil Klein, and Klaus Johnson. Mm-hmm. Just like he does in the film. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, I'll actually find this article and then post it on our post it on our uh, Facebook page so you guys can take a look at it. But yeah, there's plenty more Easter eggs. But definitely watch the movie first before you read those. Yeah, absolutely. Full of spoilers, and and also and also too um, with Black Panther's financial success uh, this past weekend. Uh, Black Panther, it cost nearly $200 million to make and $150 million to market. So it's a total of $350 million in all. So as of today, uh, the film grossed $235 million domestically, over $184 million in foreign markets, and is currently sitting at a total gross of $419.5 million. And this is the fifth film in history to debut with over $200 million in its opening weekend, uh, following The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Jurassic World, and The Avengers in 2012. Didn't, didn't Fast and Furious 8 uh, break one of those records as well? Um, no, it didn't make uh, $200 million in its opening weekend. Oh, opening weekend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Black Panther, fifth film in history to cross the two hundred million dollar mark in its opening weekend. So that that tells you something right there. So yeah, any uh, final thoughts on Black Panther? Man, it was well worth the hype. Go see it. Go see it again when it comes out on DVD. Get it. Blu-ray. Blu-ray. I, uh, I when I, I don't know. I still say it. it it's like a twenty-year habit. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, definitely yeah. it's just definitely worth it bring your kid bring your kids to see it because representation matters oh yes representation matters and i gotta say this film absolutely lives up to the hype i loved it this is my favorite mcu film i would probably say yeah it's, it succeeds civil war like my top yeah. three marvel films so far black panther mm-hmm. civil war and the first guardians of the galaxy oh good list yeah, um, yeah. For me, uh, for me, uh, this is my favorite MCU film, and for all, many of the reasons that we've stated in this review, uh, go see it. And um, it's it's so it's so awesome to see a 
a predominantly uh, black black cast in a major mainstream big budget superhero Hollywood film. And it's done so well, and it's executed so brilliantly from its uh, production and costume design to its cinematography to its acting, um, the score, everything. Every element works. And Ryan Coogler is three for three right now, and I cannot wait to see his next film. Him and Michael B. Jordan are like De Niro and Scorsese, you know, Mm -hmm. so I want to see what their fourth collaboration is going to be because we're in for something special. And Ryan Coogler is only 31 Yo, so I gotta step my game up. So <laughs> this film is I think we all do. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Like this is one of these creatively inspiring films that, you know, I I wanna make something. I don't know what. Maybe for fun. I'll make I I've said it before, but I wanna make something for sure, damn it. And I will. Do it. i I'm gonna do it. I ain't stopping you. No, I ain't I know by something. I'm I'm gonna do something, damn it. All so right. yeah. So yeah, Black Panther, check it out in theaters now. It's so awesome that current generations of kids are get to see this awesome rep- representation on screen. So hopefully we'll see more black heroes, more Latino heroes, Asian heroes, Middle Eastern heroes, Native American heroes, all that. It's going to be awesome. And now uh, we have, uh, we, get, we got our one and only email uh, from the resident supervillain, John Haponic. Oh, Lord. All right, come on. All right, so John Haponic, uh chimes in with this email with his hot take on black panther subject line black panther meow hey fellas inspirational characters great costumes positive vibes challenging racial perceptions all that amazing stuff is in black panther what isn't there is a good movie this motherfucker here you know it's bad when you're cheering for the villain to win Michael B. Jordan stole the show for me and admittedly is my favorite Marvel villain to date. The t-shirt right was pretty cool too. So while I didn't fall asleep during the movie, I have one key moment stuck in my mind. You've complained about Wonder Woman's final battle. Good lord, Black Panther's train fight was the absolute worst. Badly edited, lame effects, and insanely anticlimactic. This coming from the director of Creed? At least have Killmonger get hit by the train. I bet that was an awkward elevator ride afterward to see the Wakandan sunset. Typical Marvel, and further signs that Infinity, Infinity War will disappoint. Don't worry, I'll still go see it to pass the time until Aquaman. DC for <laughs> life, John Haponic. P.S. Fun fact. Michael B. Jordan did the voice of Cyborg in DC in Flashpoint Paradox before any Marvel appearance. What good taste. Okay. John, now, buddy, this is at this point. That's your friend. At this point. He's holding on to his reputation. Yeah, at this point, you might be expecting a rant from me, but you know what? You're not going to get a rant from me because you know what, John? No, no, no. hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what, John? I'm not mad at you for this email because you are entitled to your opinion, but I am rather very, very disappointed in your opinion, in your take on Black Panther here you have a brilliant film in the MCU, which is a unique entry 
in 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 the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a a unique entry in the superhero genre. Period, and you fail, you fail to see the majesty and prestige and quality in this film. I mean, <laughs> what's it gonna take, John? I I I, I ask you, ah, uh, what 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 is it going to take, eh? What is it going to take for you? To 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 give Marvel its 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 its, its credit, its due credit, ah, huh? stupid boy, ah, if if, Damn. If, 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 if 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 Black Panther, take 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 Marvel out the picture, okay, ah, huh? take take Marvel out of the picture, if if Black Panther, right, if Black Panther was a DC EU property. Right, if Black Panther was a DC Comics character, and if the film itself was exactly the same from opening to end credits, eh? you mean to tell me that if it was a DC film, then you would give it its due props? Eh? You would say it was the best comic book film ever? Eh? But but because it's Marvel, ah, fuck that noise, ah, ah, stupid boy, ah, rubbish person, foolish person, ah, you 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 are you are so lucky, ah, that that, 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 that you live in Houston because if 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 I have to come down the I will, I will smack fire out, out, out you, 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 you mother, motherfucker. Mother, mother, mother. Okay, whoa. I mean, right, I mean, right. gl- glory be to Bass. I have suffered in this line because if I, if I ever see you, eh, if you ever, ever show your face here on this podcast, I, I, will, I will bring. It will be I'll, the ultimate debate. <laughs> it will be the ultimate debate. I will bring fire. I will bring fire from from the sky. I will smack you in the face with the you one time. I will. I will, I will, I will, I will hmm. Hey, I, 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 I do not know. I do not understand. I do not understand. You, 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 make, you, you, you make me bring that my, my Nigerian accent for this one. Ah, ah, r- rubbish person, foolish person, stupid person. Ah, get your life, boy, bye. Ah, you Uncle King. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. See, I, 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 I had to get my Nigerian accent out for this one, because, because you know what, I, I, I can't believe John Hapan. I, I, I don't know. And and here and here he is. John Hapana just joined us. Ah, so he missed it. John, I don't know if you're if you're a deliberate troll. I don't know if you're just trying to. I don't know if you're just trying to live up to your reputation on this podcast as a resident supervillain, as a DCEU fanboy. But I gotta say, man, give it up, because John, what you are, you are truly. The Dallas Cowboys no, fan no, of the of no, comic no, book no, no, fandom. No, see, all right, another fan base. You can you, use another fan base. You can no, use the Cleveland. No, you can use the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you know what, Cleveland Browns because of what they're zero sixteen. I mean, yeah. look at look at look at look at DCEU's track record. Man of Steel, an L. Batman versus Superman, an L. Suicide Squad, L. Wonder Woman, a W. Justice League, another L. How many L's is that? One, two, three. Four L's, one W. Come on, man. Marvel Cinematic Universe, 18 films in a row. And yeah, two of them are, are disappointments. Thor, Thor, Thor the Dark World and Guardians 2. Mediocre at best. Mediocre at best. This is the very best in the MCU. And you fail to see the prestige behind this film? You know what, John? <laughs> you better pray that you never end up on this podcast i want him to be on this podcast we need to have this debate oh i will win it will it will be a debate that you will lose you will lose spectacularly my friend nine times ten times out of ten you will lose that battle get your life john i mean 
DCEU for life. I mean, yeah, DCEU for life. That's why they're rebooting the whole goddamn universe with Flashpoint. So while while we enjoy Infinity War in May, you're going to be sitting there rewatching Justice League. Pissant. What you got to say, man? Well, on to our question of the week. All right, let's do this. <laughs> All right, so now um, I'm actually going to... Well, this is going to be gen- pretty uh, general, but um, in honor of Black History Month, I think this will be our last podcast of Black History Month. No, I think we have a, there's another Tuesday next week. Is it? Yeah, so okay. we're still good. Oh, yeah, but still. Yeah, we are. We're still good. Who is your favorite black superhero? Black Panther. Damn, you just caught up in the moment, huh? Okay, Blade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm loyal. He he's actually my all time favorite superhero. Spawn. Okay. You know, I'm surprised that that they're still uh, produce, publishing new issues of Spawn. I had no idea. Yeah, and it's not even Al Simmons. Really? Yeah, it's a new it's a new guy whose name like because I stopped reading Spawn like years ago, but oh. See, he's just always been my favorite hero. Like as a kid, so if it's my favorite as a kid, I'm stuck with it. Okay, so is it a new black dude or? I, yeah, I believe so. Okay, what happened to Al Simmons though? I think he he actually ended up like getting killed. Oh shit! Yeah, damn. Well, okay then. <laughs> so yeah, that will be on our that will be on our uh, social medias. Within a day or two, um, you can find us everywhere, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. YouTube, yep, SoundCloud, iTunes, give us a, leave us a five-star review, mm-hmm. uh, Google Play. Yep. Everywhere. Google us. Yeah. You'll go- find us. <laughs> yeah. Google us. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can email us at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, man, we always thank you for your for your support and you know tuning in, watching us do what we do, and you know just helping us celebrate more nerd culture goodness, man. And um, I will say one final thing: um, moving forward, I think it's safe to say that we keep jinxing ourselves every time we have a major announcement. <laughs> So we're not going to do any more major announcements on this podcast. So if we if we if we show up in a different setting or if you see a guest pop up on our show, it's that's just what it, it's just what it is. No 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 hype, no no promotion. It's just what happens happens. No more jinxing ourselves with we'll announcements. See. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh next week's uh discuss, next week's topic will be to be determined. Um all I can say is I can't wait for Infinity War, but oh I, but I will oh, watch Black Panther. We didn't even again. get into the post the, the post credit scenes. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, the post credit scenes. Uh, I Winter thought- Soldier kicking it with Shuri. Yep. Yo, vibranium arm. Mm-hmm. Vibranium arm is coming, and uh, Black Panther T'Challa's speech at the UN. You know. Which kind of felt like a, you know, like a rebuke against Trump and others who support him. Like, you know, you know, a country is not about, you know, isolating itself. We have to expand, you know. Build and the, bridges. Build bridges. Instead of building walls. That's right. You know, believe it. Well, it, just, it, says, it just speaks for itself. 
So yes, um, that's about it for Black Panther, uh, for our Black Panther-themed episode. Thank you so much for tuning us. John Haponic, go to hell. We will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later. <laughs>